Welcome to the Rata Cards podcast on RataCards.com. I'm your host, Patrick Reno, and today I have Kurt Bench joining us for a, uh, a podcast. So, Kurt, how's it going? Oh, man, doing good. Nice Friday afternoon today. I'm glad to hear it, man. Glad to hear it. So let's jump right into it here. First thing on our agenda is um, what's a better use of half a million bucks, right? Two sales happened this, this past week. A uh, Jason Dominguez 2020 Bowman Chrome Super Fractor sold for 474000 and then a 2017 Prism Patrick Mahomes gold vinyl number to five sold for 570000 Now, that Patrick Mahomes card is interesting because it's not a one of one. It's not signed. It's just a gold vinyl. So, And it still brought in that huge price point, huge dollar figures. And so I, I think about this, and I'm like, well, gosh, things have really changed since Wayne Gretzky and Bruce McNoll bought the... Honus Wagner back in 1991 through Sotheby's because these are similar price points right and so I have to think like okay you got a football guy who's a superstar but he's still pretty new he's only been on the field for like now five years right and then you've got Jason Dominguez who's in baseball which is arguably a safer sport and uh this is a super fractor one of one autoed by the way, if you're listening, uh, I've blogged about both of these pieces, so just go to radicards.com and you can search for these guys, and you'll find these articles and see the images of them and the information on, on the sales. But, Kurt, tell me, knowing how risky football is with like standard average two-year careers and people blowing out their knees and their backs and everything else, and you've got Jason Dominguez playing baseball, a, a safer sport, you know, give or take. Granted, Mahomes is a quarterback. So he's not going to get slammed as hard as, say, like a linebacker or a running back. Running backs get slammed all the time. Of course, Emmett Smith and Barry Sanders, they did really well in their careers. But if you had half a mil or give or take around there, which one of these cards would you pick? Now, I know you're biased because you're a baseball card collector, but if you were jumping to this hobby and you wanted to acquire a really nice piece of a current player, which of these two cards would you buy? Oh, to me, it's a no-brainer. I, I would, I would do the established, you know, star Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Um, he's already been proven. Um, you know, he in four years has been to four AFC Championship games, been to two Super Bowls, won one of them, was an MVP. I think he was the Super Bowl MVP the year they won. You know, has the the at this time the most uh, lucrative pro anything contracted if i'm not mistaken it was like half a billion dollars and so i mean so he's definitely you know an established star um baseball it it's really a crapshoot you never know i mean football too i guess to a degree but you never know with these guys you just never know and jason dominguez you know Hopefully, you know, I hope everything works out for the best, but the odds are is that he, you know, he may, he may never even see a major league field. Yeah. You know, he's, uh, he's still a minor leaguer. Uh, and, and he was showing signs of promise, uh, a year ago, two years ago. Uh, and I looked at his stats and I'm like, I, I, I'm not, I personally am not convinced that, (laughs) you know, six figures is, like gonna be a good long term but then again 
I don't look at cards as investments. I mean, you can because they're like anything else. You can buy and sell them for profit like anything. If, there, if there's a, des a demand for it, it, it can be an investment. Um, <laughs> it's so funny. People think like, trading cards are not investments. It's like, what difference does it make what it is? If you can sell it for a profit, then it's an investment. So there's, yeah, there's to me there's no way people. I mean, with with the sales of the the Mickey Mantle fifty two tops, oh, yeah. or even I've seen that card, people, that exact card that sold for two point nine million or whatever it was. Yeah. I've seen that exact card in person. I, I used to, I I know the 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 former owner, and so I, I I remember thinking, God, what what a great card. That's a card that I I expected to return higher figures every time it changed hands. And I predict that's like there's certain cards in this hobby. Every time they change hands, they make the, the the current owner more money than the last owner. Oh, absolutely. The Honus Wagner. Every single time it sells, it it brings yeah. more and more and more. The Mike Trout Superfractor from '09. That card. Every time it has sold so far, the last two times, it has brought significantly higher figures. And I predict that if it you know if it sells again, we're going to see even higher roll. So. You know, I kind of think about the Dominguez long term. Will we see a higher return? That's kind of up to say. You, you know, you brought up very, you know, obvious points. Like he hasn't—he's not yet a major leaguer. You know, he—he he, who knows what will happen? He could turn into a Kevin Mass or a Mike Trout. Like it's just difficult well, to. You and I have talked uh, quite a bit about this. Uh, you know, in collecting, and and now, you know, as kids, we all sort of were investing right you you wouldn't trade certain cards you know because of the the beckett book value was you know a quarter or whatever and you know you you, you would base everything off of that but now with seemingly in the last two years or so and i'm sure it's been going on for a little longer but now you know since since covid more and more people have gotten in and, and this whole investing mindset, it just, it's not just baseball or sports cards in general, um, or trading card, you know, cause you can put Pokemon cards in there too, but sure. magic cards uh, too. Magic. Yeah. And, um, it, more people are getting into it and, uh, you know, it, it just levels, you know, some, some people don't care about collecting the cards. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. They they see it as strictly business. It's an investment type thing. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy it and hold on to it for a year or so or whatever, and then and then sell it for higher. You know, when when the demand is 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 higher or whatever whatever the case is. So, um, again though, the the idea of being a prospector of these of of these rookie or prospect players, it to me. I've done it a little bit here and there, not even close to that level. I mean, I, I can't bring myself to even uh, spend. I, I've never bought a prospect card of someone who hasn't played yet. I'll, I'll give them a year or two, and then say, okay, well, let me let me get in while while the prices are still affordable. Uh, but four hundred and seventy four thousand dollars for for a guy that, I mean that. The, chances are very very high that you know he he may not ever play a major league game versus you know the even the patrick mahomes card if i just had half a million or half a yeah half half a million to blow um i mean that card's not even autographed it's just and, and it, like you said it's not even a one of one 
I know that's 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 the and biggest that, that that's blows the, my mind. That's the biggest thing about me with that card. When I learned it was the the oh, uh, to five because, um, I mean five's not a whole lot, but still. Panini's done this a couple times with super fractor quote unquote cards. They can't use that word because that's owned by Tops, but right. Yeah, the, yeah. the gold vinyls. I've I've noticed a couple of them are to five, and that's you know whatever. I have a Buster Posey I picked up that's to five that's like that that's a gold vinyl. It looks great. Comes from a cool set. And so it, it allows for five people to get this card. But when I was like, I saw that end press, I'm like, oh my gosh, the one of one. I looked at it closely. It's to five. Someone's spending half a million dollars on a to five. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's yeah. crazy. That's and insane. so I, I, and I know that like, you know, Tom Brady stuff sells really well. And so, you know, he'll bring in huge dollar figures for like, I mean, he has like Michael Jordan prizes in football. And so, uh, I, I look at that and I'm just kind of blown away by it. But yeah, I think that right now as it stands, the Mahomes, in my opinion, is the, the, the better buy because yeah. of the, the points that you mentioned. I just want to talk about this because Dominguez is one of those hopeful prospects. And I do, I do hope he does well. I always hope that ballplayers do well because we need the excitement. It's, it's, yeah. it's hard to match the 90s crop of guys that like in the 80s crop of guys like that. That 20 year block was just stuffed to the brim with super crazy Hall of Fame talent. But yeah. uh you know, I just want to talk about that because those two cards were huge sales, and they're they're similar price points, and I just want to compare them. So, good stuff. Thanks for thanks for chiming in on that. Moving on to the next thing here, let's talk about the current state of the grading card company market. Over the last two years, there have been like a gluttony of new players in the market, and it kind of always leads me to question: What is the long term potential for any one of these companies to remain? like over time and compete with the big four what do you think what are your thoughts on things well for one I, you, you can't blame somebody for for taking an opportunity right psa puts a hold on everything freezes you know taking in cards for for however long that that is and then uh <laughs> didn't they didn't they up it wasn't it you know 18 dollars a card or something along those lines and now it's now it's up over 100 they're definitely you know wise move by by other people to start their companies now it again it's it's going to be tough for them because psa and 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 bgs and and to an extent um uh s what is sgc Mm -hmm. um you know csg is the big player on like that's been grading stuff for a really long time like a variety of different things and they finally got into cards it was just a matter of time so I, I expect them to last through the, the wave, if you will. The wave will crash, and then they'll still be around. And, and so that's the kind of the way I see it. Now, here's the thing I want to talk about, though, uh, Kurt, that I think we should touch on. I'm not convinced any other company will ever surpass PSA in marketability. They are, yep. like, they are like the Nolan Ryan of the pitching record of, of the grading companies. There's no way you're going to beat that, that, that record. There's just no way. Something catastrophic would have to go wrong for them. They have so much market credibility, and they've been around for a really long time. They they were the ones who graded the T206 Honus Wagner, the Gretzky McNull. That was actually the first card they ever graded. And they have, it, it just, it gave them a lot of credibility, and they've just since become the market player. Adds a lot of value to, to cards. Yeah, and, and their their slabs are consistent. Granted, it's you know um, they have the budget to expand and do 
you know, AI, if they want, I think they bought technology to do that. So they might be moving into that in that direction, but they got flooded with, with grading requests. So they had to raise the prices. So I understand that that makes total sense to me. Yeah. Um, I have tons of respect for that company. I, I'm a huge supporter of PSA. And so I'm a little biased because I buy a lot of their stuff, but I also have like BGS slabs and SGC slabs and PSA has the name brand behind them. You know, they're, they they have their they have great market credibility. They're they're everything a grading company should be in the in the grand scheme. They have a publication that you get when you sub, uh, sign up for a subscription. Although I don't know what the subscriptions are now, I haven't really paid attention. Uh, they have these like awards they give out once a year for people who have who are at the top of their registry collections. They they're really involved with the collector, and I really appreciate that a lot like companies who are involved with the collectors they're they're not just trying to sell to people that you know they're engaging and the PSA does that really well and I, I've always appreciated that about that company so I want to say if, if you try to jump in and compete with something like that what I always ask the question when people start a new project what makes you qualified to do what you do that's the question that I always ask what makes these new grading companies qualified to be grading companies you know, what makes them any better at looking at cards than, say, you or I? And that's, that's, that's ultimately what it comes down to. Now, I know that if I had a grading company, I would be really uh, rigorous about my hiring methods so that I hire the people who know cards like the back of their hand. And I'm sure that some of these grading companies do that, or at least I would hope. But I always, it always goes back to that question. What makes them more qualified? Than PSA, your thoughts? You, you're spot on. I mean, they they have to establish you know consistency in grading because you know there's certain times where you see a card and you and you know you look at it and you just go like man how did that get a three and then and then you see some really off centered card up there with you know sixes and sevens and that kind of thing. So you know consistency and and you know like you said you know customer service and and acknowledging the the collectors out there and 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 showcasing them and and you know it's it's going to be a tough climb because you know PSA and and BGS and and SGC have been have been around for a very long time you know they have roots and and they've sort of been the standard you know for for cards each of them with their own with their own things and for a newer company to come in and try and tr- and try to take some of the attention and some of the business away from them, it might work for a little bit while you know PSA and, is backed up and and their prices are are you know pretty crazy. But you know when everything kind of comes back down, that that's going to be it's going to be tough for them. The way I see it, like this, is that, and you mentioned it earlier, grading companies came in when PSA raised their prices. Okay, fine. So, but that 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 raise, it well, it's there's a good chance it'll be temporary, and they'll they'll lower them when they get caught up with slabbing. And then what's what are the these other grading companies going to c- compete against? You know, like that, like yeah. So this and is then a I, very important time for them to establish, you know, again the the consistency consistency and reputation. And you see some of these some of these cards that are getting graded uh, from from these newer companies fetching fairly comparable prices uh still not anywhere you know a 10 uh, and and excuse me i'm not um i'm not familiar with some of the newer ones uh 
but you know, a PSA 10 will command, or 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 BGS you know, 10, let alone a pristine, will command top dollar. Whereas, you know, one of these one of these newer companies, you know, it may not it may not do that. But if, if they're able to to stick it out and and offer I don't know, maybe maybe offer better, you know, bulk deals or, or, you know, certainly there's some way where they can at least keep, you know, keep their foot in the door and, and stay relevant because it the PSA will eventually catch up and and bring their prices back down to earth. Sure. And, I mean, that's that's like I mean, it's expected that once you get caught up, you're able to like um, loosen up the, the bottleneck a little bit and start bringing on new. Uh, orders in, in, a, in a more reasonable price point and you know i, I look at it too this way what's <laughs> i always look at grading cards like this like like I, I okay so as a, as a purist a collector i i look at acquisition i look at what fits in my collection what do i want to see in my collection what do i want to see on my my museum or my blog or whatever um what you know that so i, I go kind of that angle but then when i look at graded cards and as investment i always look at the long game what's going to return in the long term, are people going to go after like these car slabbed cards of these these garage band type grading companies, or are they going to do like they're going to know that the big companies, the heads of state, are always going to bring back the, your money or more because they have great um, and stable market investment um, history? Does that make sense? So, like, if I have a super fractor and it's slabbed by you know, Jay and Joe's grading company and it's a nine or a 10. And so, and they're, they might not be qualified to grade in a very reputable manner. So that nine and a 10 in PSA might be a six, but the six will bring better results because it's, it's, it's a, it's a well, a better known company. It's a better known product and people are chasing the six or they're chasing a PSA slabbed version of that card. Does that make sense? So I look at this too, as like, like if you're a registry collector on PSA, and you're after fil- building the the 59 tops baseball set in all like say eights and nines, which is like amazing. And then you got guys in another grading company grading 59 tops. Which one of those is going to be better sellable? Like the the nine in the random grading company nine or the PSA nine? I mean, it's it's kind of like obvious. It doesn't even need to be a talking point, right? So I look yeah. at that too, like the long term of it. What's the better buy if you want to like turn it around at a later time what's the better buy and I, I like i said i always go back to the question what makes them more qualified to do what they do you know what i'm saying like what that i always ask like, some people don't like hearing that question i i've <laughs> that's been the last thing i've told people sometimes because they don't want to talk to me again after i ask them that question they almost take it as offensive like i've dated girls who run their own businesses and i still can't figure out what they do and so i ask them that question and then they, they don't want to see me again and so I'm like, you know, it's like I'm, I'm, I ask this about people when they start businesses when I don't really quite understand where they fit in the market. So I just want to talk about that because I think it's an important point to discuss. Yeah. So what, you want to you want to finish it off for us on this topic? Well, again, maybe maybe just because, uh, you know, certain certain guys in, in the companies like CSG tend, you know, you you can get any card you want graded, but people tend to go to them for more of the pre-war, mm-hmm. the, the earlier stuff. And then and then PSA, um, you know, obviously they're they're known for having having, you know, wide, wide, you know, ranges of cards. But but 
you know a lot of a lot of PSA, you know the, the rookie cards and all that. And then so maybe these newer companies, um, I don't know, maybe maybe focusing on uh, establishing in with with again just getting these newer cards out there. I, I don't know, man. It haven't haven't just maintaining a good reputation and 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 you know not getting scammed or you know or, or having you know getting getting fake cards sent in and and grading them and then you know having that whole disaster too so well that's but that the thing is that stuff's happening with these new companies they're accidentally yeah. slabbing fake cards or they're accidentally slabbing you know autographs that are fake or you know what i'm saying so like yeah. that's that's reputation damaging stuff like if I think it comes back down to the question I always ask, like, what makes you qualified? And if you're yeah. if you're doing that stuff, it's 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 an indication you're not qualified, right? And you're going to have a really short burst of business, but the long term is going to be very difficult to compete with. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I want to touch on that. You know, that's a sort of somewhat controversial topic because there are so many players in the market. But uh, I want to move right into the last point here is the um, defaced art. So we're gonna we're gonna discuss this and we're going to circle it right back to, to trading cards uh painting valued at seven hundred forty thousand pounds which is just over one million dollars usd is ruined after a bored 60 plus year old security guard who's who was on his first day on the job i might add <laughs> draws eyes on the faceless figures in it using a ballpoint pen now the the piece of art is called three figures by anna laporskaya and it was produced in the early 1930s circa 1932 to 1934 now, okay, <laughs> stupid, right? Really dumb. The piece is being restored currently, and I guess the, the, the gentleman didn't press too hard on the ballpoint pin. So, uh, <laughs> it, I mean, ridiculous, right? But this kind of reminds me, remember we were kids, and like we joke about like writing uh, uh, like our names on our cards to make sure everybody knew who, whose, whose cards belonged to who? <laughs> like what cards belonged to who? Or like writing, you know, crossing out a team name and putting in a new team name when, when someone gets traded. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've seen a lot of this stuff. Or like defacing the front of the card by like drawing a mustache on the player or something. <laughs> and so like when we were kids, we used to do stuff like this. When I was younger, uh, gosh, when I started, when I was really building out my Frank Thomas collection in the, in the mid '90s, um, I had had. I think I was approaching like a hundred unique cards in like '95, and I had this 1992 Sports Illustrated card with the perforation, and it was a little taller than all the other cards. And I was storing my Frank Thomas cards raw in this little 100 count plastic box, not the snap type, but the one with the top goes over the bottom and it snaps shut, and it's like this nice brick. Yeah. Yeah, and it didn't fit in there. So what I do, I cut it down so it did fit in there. <laughs> I mean, thankfully it wasn't a rare card. I eventually got another copy later on, but um, I look back on like the young thinking of defacing your cards for ownership purposes or um, for fun or to ensure they fit into something. Uh, I, I mean, when I was younger, I I hated '89 Bowman for that reason because it always popped out of the top of the of the uh the nine page pockets or it was yeah. like it barely fit in top loaders you can put them in top loaders because they they fit but they fit almost just there's a little bit of space almost perfectly they fit in them but they pop over the top of the uh the penny sleeves unless you use they, what i use for those 89 bowmans is i use the uh vintage card sleeves 
because they're tall enough to cover the whole card. So that's just my trick. I've always, I like the 89 Bowman Griffies. They always go in those sleeves. Anything 89 Bowman that I keep goes in those sleeves. But what do you think about this? What are your thoughts on this? The defacing the artwork. I mean, that's that's a terrible thing to do. Yeah. I mean, that, regardless of, of what you might think of it, that's somebody's work. And, and it's not there for you to, to damage in, in any sort of way. Judge it, sure. But again, yeah, we would we would you know, ruin cards, you know, yeah, I remember, you know, you hear a lot of the old timers, you know, we, we put them in our bicycle spokes and, you know, and, you know, whatever. And, but that's fine, you know, but that's, that's a work of art. It's, it's a, it's a one of a kind. Um, but the fact that it's, didn't you say it was being auctioned for, for how much? No, it was on display at a gallery. This, oh, okay. this gentleman was security guard for the gallery. Oh, and it was so... his first day, and so he just got bored. And he's like, "Well, I guess I'll just ride on." I mean, it's 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 beyond egregious, right? It's it's dumb more than anything. Do you think they're not going to have security, you know, cameras for the? I mean, you're a security guard, and you think you're just going to go and you know vandalize something and not get caught, or maybe maybe he just didn't care. Who knows? But that's that's a terrible thing to do. Oh, it's horrible! Uh, it's horrible. Vandaliz- vandalizing anything is just to me is one of the lowest forms of, you know, just anything you can do spray painting or you just, it's so dumb. Yeah. It's pretty bad. Yeah. I just want to touch on that. Cause it reminded me, like I said, of when we were kids and we'd write and do things to face our own cards. I'd never yeah. think about doing that to somebody else's property ever. And no. I wouldn't, I, and, 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 and I don't appreciate it when anybody does it to anything that doesn't belong to them. Um, no, and so that's... when I saw this, I was like, I, I, I just was, floored by it when i read about this yesterday i just could not believe what i was reading that's a famous painting rare original painting and it's being defaced like it's just unbelievable and not just by a passerby like civilian it's like by a security guard of all people signed on to work there to protect that stuff and then you're the one ruining it that that's just dumb you're bored pull out your phone and do some home run derby on an app or something don't deface artwork you know? Yeah. It's ridiculous. So I wanted to touch about that. I'm glad we got to talk about at least that. I know it's collectibles is kind of a wide spectrum of things. My, we discussed mainly cards. You know, I've seen a lot of cards online. There was a mantle, 52 mantle that had a face drawn on it. It looked like it was leather face. Like the face looked like once it was done, <laughs> it looked like leather. It was awesome. It was an awesome, awesome item. I think it was like several thousand dollars, but what a cool thing to have. He looked like. Yeah. He looked like the guy from like uh, when he takes the puts the face on the face, like the the, it's the like skin. one of the garbage pail kid cards. It just happened to be a a fifty two. Well, it was just the face, right? So it looked like yeah, yeah, yeah. like the two thousand three Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. Yeah, where the guy has has the face peeled off and he puts it on his face. Like it looked like that kind of. <laughs> Or like the one from the 1970s. It's probably more like the one from the 70s, actually, uh, where the face, you can see his, his lips and his tongue like coming out of the, like, it was more like that appearance, that that version of, of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> really interesting. I actually think I have that on Pinterest. If you want to go check it out, check our Pinterest account. So, Kurt, thanks for joining us for this podcast. Do you have any final thoughts? No, I just want to say thanks for, for having me. You know, this, these are always great to discuss these topics and, and just hear other people's, you know, personal points of view on it. So thanks for having me again. Of course, of course. 
Uh, thank you for tuning in to the Radic Cards podcast on radicards.com. I'm your host, Patrick Reno, and until next time, enjoy collecting. If you like this content, please subscribe. Thank you. Enjoy collecting. <laughs>